What's good guys, Ross Potter here and this is the RP Coaching Podcast where we'll talk about training, nutrition, mindset and everything in between. Created with you in mind, this podcast aims to educate and help you to tick those boxes daily. If you do enjoy the content, show me a little love, subscribe and share. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the RP Coaching Podcast and this episode comes with a slight twist. In this episode, I was invited by performance coach Ian Vout to join his YouTube channel, Performance 101. In a conversation style sit down, we discuss all things COVID-19. So sit back, relax and enjoy the episode, guys. Right. Hello, friends. It's Ian Vout here from Perfect Performance Coaching. I hope you're all well today. Well, today we're going to be talking to Ross Potter about our COVID-19 situation we're dealing with here. Now, I know you're all sick probably of hearing about COVID-19, but I promise you this conversation is going to be different because we're not going to be focusing on how to put out the fire that is COVID. We're going to be focusing on how can we utilise our biggest asset, which is our health. So we are really lucky to have the NHS catch us at times like this. And of course, they're doing an outstanding job. Um, all power to them. But the uh, problem really lies, I think, with the fact that some people are getting COVID and they're not getting any symptoms and other people are getting symptoms that actually kill them. So it's not a matter of the, the virus liking us or disliking us. It's actually a matter of how our immune systems are working and how they can actually tackle this new virus. So we want to going to talk about that today with Ross and uh, make sure that we can get in there. So to say hi to Ross as he's here. How you doing, Ross? How you doing? I'm here. I'm waiting. I'm ready. I'm primed. Excellent. Right. So welcome, Ross. Uh, just quick lowdown on Ross. He's uh, a physique and online coach with over 10 years experience in the industry, and he's competed at various bodybuilding competitions, winning his first place at the British finals. Uh, he's been featured on BBC Three and in Men's Health, um, and he has goals in which to not only help his clients physically, but also mentally. Uh, he owns his own studio down in North Hampshire, um, which is his base of operations for RP coaching. Um, he's managed to change almost or over 100 people worth of uh, transformations in his life. So that's always good to hear. So, Ross, welcome to the show and uh, let's do this. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It'll be good to good to kind of uh, give the listeners a little bit more in-depth information. So I'm ready when you are, bud. Cool. Right. So uh, now you've been introducing everything. So what again, like what I want to talk about today is just sort of how you're potentially approaching uh, the crisis with your clients, because obviously you're more of a bodybuilding coach, if that's correct in saying. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I come from I come from that background. I mean, I always started off. Um, I always started off as a personal trainer yeah. and I over the years have, uh, as yourself, have developed the 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 kind of more more to the coaching side, if you like. So now I, I class myself as a physique coach offering a lot more to my clients rather than just a leg session for, for 40 quid. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, I think all of us developing initially were there for the physique side of things and trying to help people burn body fat or whatnot. But then realize that actually there's more to it than just uh, a few weights and uh, going to exercise two or three times a week. Um, so, yeah, so it's good good to have you here again. So um, 
so yeah so kind of do you have any experience with covid at the moment have you had any personal like your friends or your family at the moment have they been affected and um, how have they um, worked out i mean i mean to be completely honest i've been i've been blessed because everyone in my close circle my friends my family um everyone is still in good health so um i'm very very fortunate in that respect to have everyone in good health around me um i think there's been one or two of my clients who are frontline workers on the nhs um, and they've had they've had the virus um they had it very mildly i was talking to one of my girls who is a dermatologist on the front line and she's had it her mum's had it and she said actually most people in the the nhs in the hospital that she actually works in have had a mild strain of the coronavirus so again i think that opens up a bit of a debate for for, especially for you to dive into um why are some people getting a mild strain and some people are are dying so again there's there's the two ends of the spectrum there yeah no that's exactly it it's kind of it's, it's strange and obviously knowing people who are in the nhs my mother was a nurse I've got friends who are sort of midwives and, and doctors and whatnot. So they're all in there and they're kind of battling this thing out. But you're obviously getting people who are looking like they're, you know, generally healthy and, uh, you know, of a normal, well, not normal age, but sort of a mid age, sort of anywhere from sort of 30 to 50. And yet they seem to be dying of this thing. And you're just like, can't doesn't make much sense when uh, when everybody's been talking about the government and everybody is, is more about 70 plus people with comorbidities or people who have already ill and it's kind of it's sort of another thing added to the list means that it just tips them over the edge so yeah I think, I think there's a lot of misinformation I mean you see hundreds of news broadcasts every day different um different um news industries are broadcasting different things different figures um and, and again maybe this this podcast can clear a few things up especially from your side as to maybe what is actually happening um so that'll be interesting i'll, I'll you know i'm interested to to get involved with that as well yeah. so yeah yeah well yeah i mean i kind of for me i obviously look back at the primal side of things and i'm like don't just look back at the last week and have you eaten well or have you exercised well let's look at let's look back at your whole lifetime let's take it back to maybe when you even you're a child or take it back to your parents and the the genes that you've inherited because i think as a society we've had um it's going fairly deep but as a society we've sort of had this evolution over the last probably three generations so my grandparents were fairly healthy but they lived through the second world war they had rationing and all that kind of stuff and although the food was all organic at that point it's not necessarily going to be the most healthful but uh, but they didn't really have an epidemic of obesity. They had more of a sort of people were undernourished. And so it was more that they weren't able to get their hands on the right amount of foods and the right amount of nutrients to keep them in good health. Um, move forward to another generation. You've got our parents who are people who sort of lived through the sort of 70s and 80s when the government really took over. Uh, what people should be eating so and we we kicked out the good we t- kicked out fat which was uh, supposedly causing all this uh, problems with our hearts but end up end up finding out that it's actually the opposite um, so we've now got a lot more sort of seed oils in our diet rather than sort of healthful fats and oils from natural sources um, and then we've sort of gone into the more ready meal type things as well so Myself and I'm, I don't know if you're the same, but my cereal, my my breakfast when I was uh, growing up was cereal. So it was, you know, cereals that had 
probably 50 percent sugar in them and yeah i think i think everyone was the same i was only talking the other day about um the toys you used to get in the cereal do you remember at the bottom of the cereal pack yeah, yeah, you yeah. To try and dive down and grab the the little toy out of the cereal. When you got two, when you got two toys in a packet, it was like a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Gone are those days, mate. Now it's uh, fruit juice, isn't it? Now and the... yeah, no, exactly. That's the thing. And like I remember, you know, every single morning I'd probably have three bowls of this stuff. I'd go to school. I'd be hungry by nine o'clock, and school only started at eight forty-five, and um, and I couldn't focus or concentrate. My stomach would be rumbling, but I had no idea it was that. And then you'd have you know, sandwiches, crisps, chocolate bars, maybe um, sort of fizzy drinks for lunch or a juice for lunch. Um, and then in the evening, it would be maybe a ready meal or it'd be pasta or pizza or fish fingers or whatever. And so the, the, the nutrients I was getting for probably the first 20 years of my life um, before I started learning all this stuff um, what is being quite low. And you can kind of see that if you weren't starting off from a place of strength, then it means that all of this stuff just going to slowly reduce the quality of your health and for me i've spent the last now 18 years improving my health um to try and get it as good as i can make sure i'm as sharp as possible um, keep myself nice and lean and strong but for for a lot of people out there they don't have the knowledge that i have or you have and so we're in this place now where people are still eating like that people are still eating cereals for breakfast they're still eating you know sandwiches for lunch they're still having you know lots of alcohol and sweet things and chocolate bars to see them through the day and we've come to a point where suddenly we're being attacked by something and it's having a, a worse effect than it you'd maybe like yeah <clears throat> of course i think also a big thing there is um the 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 times have changed and i think people now what with veganism coming through and all these different sorts of diets people actually want to understand and people want to educate themselves whereas i think you look back 20 30 40 years you know there was more of an emphasis on earning trying to you know um, provide for the family true yeah so i think i think as times have gone on we're now in an age where science is developed and we're in a much better position yeah. to be able to look into these things i mean uh, you know i'm sure 50 years ago your job role probably didn't exist unless you were in a specialist medical field so yeah yeah no we're, we're definitely privileged now I, I you know i speak to my parents and they sort of put themselves in uh, in uh, my position um when they were sort of my age and uh, and their their houses and the, the way they're going to pay off their mortgage or the way they were going to put food on the table was number one priority it wasn't like what am I eating and and you know should it be gluten free or should it be <laughs> vegan or should it be, you know, maybe I should be eating. should you be buying corn sausages yeah exactly so it's kind of none of that really existed which is why when I, I sort of raise an eyebrow when something comes in and dominates the food chain um, so when soy came in I think it was something that I was very like I didn't even hear about this the first like 20 years of my life and all of a sudden we've got soy milk and soy sausages and soy this and soy that and it was like just doesn't make sense so, so you look into it and you realize that it's not necessarily healthful but it's very good for profits for the company so sure, um, yeah. that's, that's yeah. what most of it is now isn't it so uh there's a lot of it i'd say it's not 100 percent, but it's uh, it's good to have choice but sometimes the choice is just not, not worth it so um so yeah but as you say we are in a good position i think uh, overall um but because there's so much choice there's so much confusion along with it so hopefully we can sort of start to clear things up a little bit and get people to understand what a real healthy diet is, what they should be doing to support their immune health, and uh, we can all go from there. Um, 
so first off have you have you so we've got the old people and ill people as sort of number one at the moment on priority list have you heard any other sort of risk groups that you've looked at if i'm being completely honest um i haven't i haven't gone too far into different types of groups i mean we were all told when the coronavirus hit that obviously the most vulnerable were the aging or those with underlying health issues that perhaps they knew about or didn't know about one 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 big um one big area that i think is an issue is the obesity um and and how obesity can be linked to uh, immunity from the virus what's going to make the virus a little bit more threatening yeah. certainly if you are obese i'm sure we'll go into that shortly but that's that's one thing from the top of my head i know obviously with obesity comes a whole range of other cofactors so yeah. maybe let's let's dig into that yeah yeah without a doubt i mean as you say probably only the last maybe three four days people have been sort of bringing this up in the sort of media so or my media circles at least it won't hit the sort of news too quickly um, although I did see it in sort of the New York Times, I think that obesity is now sort of a, a risk factor and it's probably the number two risk factor. So even if you're sort of over 70 with no risk uh, or other comorbidities, then you're better off than you would be if you were obese and 30 years younger. So, yeah, I mean, obesity kind of obviously just being overweight isn't necessarily a, as you, on the face of it at least, isn't necessarily a, a risk factor. But the problem is, of course, when you are overweight, you've got a lot of other risk factors that got you there. So you've got the potential for high blood sugar, which comes along with high blood pressure and cardiovascular risk diseases. Um, and, and then your immune system, of course, if you haven't been eating well to make yourself obese, then that means your immune system, which is 70 percent of it's located in your gut, probably means it's not going to be doing very well right now. Couple that with things like antibiotics as well. So if you've had antibiotics any more than two times in your life, you've completely changed the biodiversity in your gut, which means if you haven't been then replenishing it with good, healthy probiotic foods and uh, and uh, and prebiotic sort of foods to support your your gut, then you're going to be in a much worse position. So it is it is a factor there. I think at the moment that it's kind of obesity can be categorized in in a in kind of a wide or broad reach um but it's mainly because of all these other areas i think which is actually more linked into traditional diseases um obesity is sort of a lifestyle disease almost 100 <laughs> percent rather than sort of being something that you just kind of pick up by chance so as, as a lot of people think so have you got any kind of like clients that are in that sort of realm and are you are you telling them to basically double down and make sure they get themselves sorted i wouldn't i wouldn't say obese i wouldn't say any of my clients are obese and i think me being a very honest coach if i genuinely had very very obese clients uh i i would say i would i would more than happily say yes 90 percent of my clients are overweight because obviously that's why they're coming to me one of the big factors which I've really, really picked up on since the start of, of this pandemic is we are ultimately burning less calories every day. So we're much less active than we have been. So take a normal commute, someone who walks to work or gets the train, someone who maybe does 10,000 steps a day to take that lifestyle 
and then put that person at home sitting at a desk, we are so much less active. So all of my client plans who I tailor for, so I do very specific tailored diet plans. Let's just say they're on a diet of 2000 calories and they're doing cardio, they're training and they're doing 15,000 steps. If we take that person, we sit them behind a desk, we've straight away taken away their 15,000 steps. They're getting up later because of, again, poor sleep habits and the, the fact that they can lie in later because they're not commuting. So straight away, we've lost that morning cardio element. And chances are they're not going to the gym because one, they can't. And two, they're not actually that bothered about doing a home routine because the motivation is not there. So you take someone who's active five days of the week. All of a sudden, we've got someone who is now falling very, very nicely into the sedentary lifestyle bracket. Yeah. And they're still going to be in 2000 calories. So yeah. right yeah. away, they're in, they're in a surplus. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest things I've done. I've had to pull those calories right down to cater for the lack of activity, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I've, I've got quite a lot of clients and friends even that, that sort of said, oh, yeah, I usually drink twice a week. At the moment, I'm drinking five. So, so yeah then, at the uh, moment i'm drinking seven out of seven yeah, it's, it's uh yeah it's quite quite impressive really what sort of sedentary um sort of lifestyle does because normally you'd imagine oh well, i'm not doing as much of this so i won't do as much of that but it's it's not the way it happens it's like i'm at home i'm chilling i'm basically feeling like i'm on holiday and so i'm going to drink more i'll probably eat more and then i'm going to feel pretty crap at the end of this so um there's kind of all talk about the covid 15 people are getting confused that it just means the covid 15 pounds that people are probably going to gain throughout this time so more than likely more than likely and i think one of the one of the big factors also is you know if if you are sat behind that desk yeah you do lose track of time because you are going to shut yourself in the home office and i think listening to a lot of my clients feedback they are forgetting to eat meals they're forgetting to have water and ultimately they're working harder because not only have they got their own work to do They've got the other six people who have potentially lost their job. So now they've got another load of workload on top. So yeah. in, in some respects, the working day is much longer more, and a lot more stressful yeah. because you've got to then deal with your kids butting in. You've got to deal with your partner nagging you. You've got, you know, there's so many then external factors which which come in. So stress is up and stress cortisol levels is weight gain so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a vicious cycle yeah yeah we need to really kind of i think the whole mental illness thing that's coming at the moment that people keep sort of mentioning more and more now we're getting longer and longer in lockdown um and it is a matter of that people aren't people don't really know how to react and so if you're already sort of mentally um challenged and then you've got to You've got to sort of take on board this i'm not now seeing people and even myself i feel it. it's like i'd really like to go out and see some friends and family you know um but it's not really it's not really possible at the moment and you kind of think yeah i don't know you're obviously talking to people on skype and whatnot and it's it's something that you can you can feel it that if if i had kind of any anxieties or depression depressive symptoms already then that's just going to push you further and further and you get into a bit of, of a hole in that sense um, I mean, I had I had three predictions when we first went into lockdown. I my three predictions were that domestic violence would increase, mm -hmm. mental health would increase, and obesity 
would increase and so far looking at some of the headlines i know that domestic violence certainly is on the rise yes um and it's 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 bad it's 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 not just the pandemic of the virus but everything internally internally by that i mean inside the house which is then having really negative repercussions on our health and our well-being so yeah a, a really important thing you just brought up yeah yeah no exactly i think that leads into kind of you know why people are more more stressed and more susceptible to this virus because if we're more stressed then that depletes our immune system that means we're not going to sleep as well um i think I, I was posting on something the other day which is basically if you miss out four hours of sleep for one night you reduce your natural killer cells which are the cells that kill off things like cancers and viruses uh, by 70 percent so it's a huge factor if people aren't able to sleep properly so and a lot of people are either going to bed late they're watching sitting up net watching netflix or you know messing around on their phones and they're not getting the sleep they need even though they probably have more opportunities than ever to do it and that's a big factor and that's what you know linking into sort of the nhs staff that are dying you think I know the NHS staff that I know are well, well overworked. Uh, they're pretty underpaid as well, unfortunately. And they they generally not, are not getting enough sleep. They're stressed out with their jobs. They take it home with them. So the stress leads in. And they eat poorly because, of course, stress eating is a, is a factor. Um, and of course. It's going to lead into more and more um, sort of a cycle of lower and lower immunity. And then they've got to go back and stress them or put themselves in an environment where they're almost definitely going to pick something up. So um, well, I so think a big thing as well is obviously a lot of them have taken that decision to self-isolate away from family. So yeah. when, well, you know, on a normal day when you've had the trauma in A&E or you're in ICU and you've had the, the amount of trauma that you take home with you, you can, your family can help to offload that. Yeah. The same as the emergency services. Um, you know, I've been in the force for, eight years um and there's been times when i get home and i'm like ah oh, like i need to just let off a little bit of steam and mm -hmm. if you are coming home to an empty house and a ready meal because you are of sheer tiredness you you, you virtually have no escape so that's there are no words to describe just how amazing the nhs is at this current time yeah yeah no i, I keep saying to people like support the nhs by sorting yourselves out so it's kind of this thing of like, yeah, we can stand and, and clap on Thursdays and we can, you know, donate money to certain NHS charities. But ultimately, if you guys actually take care of yourselves and improve your immune system so you don't have to go into the NHS to, you know, go on ventilators or whatnot, then, you know, you're supporting them in your own way. And, you know, it has a knock on effect that you can actually be useful in society. So if you need to support your neighbours or your grandparents or whoever it is, you're there to do that rather than being a burden. So it's yeah, important, I think, of course. can focus on this a bit more, which I'd, I'd love for the news to sort of pick up that message and say, hey, if people reduced weight, if they started eating cleaner, if they started doing a bit more exercise um, and understanding and getting to bed on time, then they'd actually stand a better chance to fight this thing. And then you'd actually find that this thing wouldn't be as bad as everybody's you know, worried about and there'd be more people on the ground to help. Um, but it is, and like I say, because the NHS is short-staffed, um you, you you can't really say to people oh well don't work 12 hour shifts just work a nine hour shift because there's nobody to cover so and you know they're absolute stars i tell you that but it's yeah. a really i mean, really I mean following on from 
following on from that, I mean, we can change that negative into a positive. And and if I go back to say, you know, there was more stress and people aren't sleeping, etc. I think if you completely flip the 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 bottle on its head, there are so many positives to take from the fact that you are at home, you are safe. I mean, let's just look, you're not, you don't have the stress of a commute. You aren't sat under artificial light for 12 hours a day looking at screens. I mean, yes, you're looking at screens, but nine out of 10 people have access to a window. Yeah. And in the cities, obviously, you're sat under artificial light. So you've you've lost that element of stress. Yeah. Um, you have the ability to to cook your own meals, to, to go and grab some water, to yeah, walk around the block at lunchtime, to... Um, see your family so there are 101 things which actually you are in control of and I think people listen to this you're either going to go one of two ways you're either going to be that person who is the let's say the pessimist who is feeling like your family are a burden because you've got to homeschool the kids and you're missing meals and you're sleeping late and you're basically you're just in a bad routine or you can be the, the the optimist where most of my clients are now because we've been working through the process where you are getting to bed on time. You're waking up earlier. You're in a good routine. You're actually eating all of the meals you need to. The extra five, six hours a day that you have because you're not working, you're training, you're performing home workouts. So my clients are still making progress. So there's no reason why people, sh you know, there's no reason why you should not be making progress Richard, in this class. Yeah. I think we're all we're all locking ourselves in to, in in our own environment. We're in our little kind of um, snow globes, if you like. And so it's like, well, whatever you put in that environment, you are then going to be taking in. It's kind of miniaturized our lives. And yeah, absolutely, we're not. You know, if if people are choosing to go out and still buy crap because the supermarkets have everything now, all the sort of rush of buying toilet paper is over thank god um and and uh, i think now we you know any kind of food is out there and we should focus on actually getting ourselves a bit healthier and taking the time to cook and cooking for our kids and spending time with them and you know being with with uh, with our partners and, and enjoying their company um and like say taking the positive out of it because there's you're never going to be in this in this control uh of your environment in the future it just doesn't really doesn't really happen it's probably never happened I mean, before. <laughs> really there's there's as cliche as it sounds there's no better time to be alive because we have access to everything that we need i recently did a podcast about you know kind of flipping it on its head and looking at the positives you, you've got running water you've got a roof over your head you have your loved ones like you have everything you need so there there, there seems to be this mass panic and i'm like if you actually take a step back and appreciate what you have you can take so many things out of this quarantine this yeah. lockdown and come out the other side ready to 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 virtually start again and be whoever you want but a, a completely new brand new you yeah yeah I, I i wholly agree i think so it's important to kind of get people to to try and think this way a little bit more um one curveball is why are men dying more <laughs> any any theories um, well, looking online, I've seen a lot of stupid videos. So, <laughs> um, in relation in relation to to, to COVID, um, 
I'm sure you're going to tell me, but I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's any kind of particular secret. I don't think there's, uh, I mean, there may well be some kind of, you know, cell issue with, you know, COVID being able to attach to the, the male cell easier or it's got an easier way in. But um, I think if you, if you look at it, I don't, would you say men are usually a bit more flippant with their health than women? Huge question. <clears throat> men um, or can drink more at least than women because um, you know all the recommendations are much higher for men um, so yeah it's kind yeah, of yeah I, I don't know I think I think that's such a broad question and I'm not in a position to sit here and give that advice or to try and make something up on the spot mm. I know I know there seems to be a you know this sort of underlying male mental health issue where a lot of people are you know it always has been um, that stigma that you know guys can't talk you know maybe maybe that whole mental thing is you know the, the sort of going back to I guess older times where the, the male feels like the the breadwinner that that's changed because time has moved on but there seem maybe there seems to be more of a pressure and a more of a yeah uh, I mean obviously I think like male magazines sell more than women's magazines now apparently um but it used to be obviously the other way around and so I don't know I don't know if it's kind of men find that you know eating a bit better or whatnot is a bit girly and they can't then go go to you know if they're going to the pub or whatever that and they're like oh, i don't want to drink tonight because i'm trying to be healthy does that then alienate them from their social circles and so they they kind of there's this kind of knock-on effect of poor health purely to kind of stay in a social circle because i know i know plenty I mean, of people definitely do that i mean i'm definitely not because i'd rather be at home mm. with my slippers on cup of tea <laughs> And I'm only 28, oh, so right. the future the future is looking bright. <laughs> the th my thirties are looking adventurous. <laughs> yeah, no, they, I, yeah. I mean, it's only like I say, it's only a sort of theory for me from me at the moment, really, because they haven't met, managed to touch on anything. But um, but yeah, it's kind of a, a thing of like there is a social side, I think, of of uh, on on the male side, and there is some for women, but in general, I think that women take care of themselves a lot better. Um, or have done in the past and, and there's been maybe more pressure on them to do that in the past so men maybe it's the kind of that side of things but we'll, we'll see I guess on how that will work. Well, I think especially with women there's the the mother and instinct isn't there I mean genetics if you go back to I mean you look at you look at wildlife in general the male versus the female mm. the male is generally the more aggressive you know dominating holds the territory and the females are the more mothering so Maybe there's some element of that which is involved, yeah. but yeah, to be honest, um, I'd, I'd be I'd be lying if I was to make up some weird yeah. facts and there's figures. One, there's one thing that was in the news actually, which is the uh, the ethnicity. Um, so ethnic minority uh, are getting getting more or have a higher prevalence of uh, COVID or or complications from COVID uh, than um, Caucasians. So it's, it's an interesting one. I was sort of thinking about. And I'm like. So it's it's almost three, three, um, three point one percent higher for for uh, ethnic minorities, I think. So or so three times, not percent higher um, probability of having problems. So I was looking I at interesting, an interesting point there. I mean, I, I caught the news <clears throat> the other day, and it was a study focused on New York and America, yeah. um, and especially with uh, I think that may be more to do with social status, the rich versus the poor. Yeah, and I'm not stereotyping, but 
obviously kind of the the hispanic ratio to, and, and ethnic minorities they, they go out into the slums and there's five six seven eight people living in a house mm. whereas you move up to suburban you know wherever in america and you've got a nice the typical stereotypical american dream family mm. living with all their comforts so you know if you've got seven eight nine people living in a house yeah straight away the virus is can you know moving around nine people rather than three yeah no it's true yeah i think um there are, there are some sort of like cofactors in in terms of chemistry as well with that i think and um i think if you're of sort of indian asian descent you're six times more likely to have blood sugar problems so you're six times more likely to get diabetes in your life so which is obviously a huge factor there um and also things like vitamin d the darker your skin the harder it is to actually absorb vitamin d from the sun we've just come to the end of the winter which means everybody's vitamin d is low anyway and so if you haven't been supplementing from, with vitamin d throughout the winter then you suddenly got a immune system that's not going to be able to work as well as it could um and then obviously with the sun in this country for sure isn't strong enough to be able to top it up with the uh, sun we've had this last week um so yeah it may there may be a factor there where we, we're getting sort of more of a, a genetic factor of illness and if, if people are again sort of in the us when you if you're linking it to that it's like the uh the diets are generally quite poor there i think something i can't remember the there's a, there a statistic about how much um is spent on on proper food over in the us and it's it's a really appalling ratio of about five percent and people spend about 70 percent of their money on food on fast food so i can imagine yeah, yeah i can imagine so it's, it's huge and i think some of like the the top foods in the us are uh, deep fried chicken so breaded chicken uh, pizza i think donuts was on was on there um and it's just yeah just awful it's <laughs> just all junk food basically burgers and you just think well yeah if uh, if anyone's going to be hit hard it's going to be going to be that nation that have subsided on sort of junk food for many years now and they haven't really had to spare a thought to whether or not they're going to get ill because you know the the health system's there to catch them potentially and they can go on some kind of drugs to put off the pain of uh, of losing their legs if they've got diabetes or whatnot so yeah so it's I, think, I think um i might be wrong in saying this but i think actually the uk is one of the the worst for obesity rates in europe mm. um i i could be wrong i could be plucking that out of thin air but i know that we good. are we are really bad and our numbers are not getting better so again that's something that needs to be addressed because it wasn't that way 50 years ago no, but absolutely. you know all of a sudden we now find ourselves in i would say another epidemic an obesity epidemic which again doesn't doesn't help when we have these things knocking at the door yeah yeah very very true yeah it's kind of trying to figure out like where where people can go with this i guess so do you would, what would you sort of recommend to people at the moment in terms of sort of either health or diet or exercise or uh, any sort of supplements or anything that pe people could potentially act upon well I've, I've i've got a few key things which i've recommended to every client i mean firstly is routine mm -hmm. that's first and foremost that's the most important thing an am routine and a pm routine and i think it, it is nothing new it's just understanding when to get up in the morning when to put your alarm on yes we all like a lion 
But if you can put your alarm on for half six and get up at seven, you're going to be so much more productive than if you had, say, set your alarm for nine and got up at 10. You've already wasted half the day. So, you know, I've been always trying to push those morning routines, the stretching, the yoga, you know, getting up, trying to do that fasted cardio when the sun's coming up because your day is so much more productive. And then the PM routine, simple things like cutting caffeine. I think, is it maybe 10, 10 hours before bedtime? Am I right in saying 10? Uh, ideally. I think generally, like caffeine's got a half-life of 12 hours, I think. So yeah, um, so, yeah 10 to 12 10, hours. So Yeah, so if you're having a midday, uh, at midnight, you've got still a half a cup of coffee um, in your in your system. So um, depending on how you process caffeine, it can be one way or the other. But usually caffeine's for wakey time rather than I'm bored, I'm going to have a drink and I'll have a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so PM routine, you know, cutting caffeine, making sure you've done enough in the day mm. to actually feel tired. I think that's a big a big problem. People are so sedentary during the day that then they they can't they can't go to sleep because the body's not tired. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've got to move to make sure that our bodies realise we've actually got up and done something, and then they it. kick off. I think one one great one, just as you mentioned, sort of the mornings is to go and get some light in your eyes. So they say between twenty to forty minutes of sunlight. Um, so or being outside in the sunlight on the retina is enough to reset your circadian rhythm. So, so when you do that early in the morning, your body then realizes it's actually daytime and it kicks off your clock. And then obviously by the evening, your clock will be saying time to go to bed rather than if you hadn't done that, then your body's just saying, well, it's probably midday because there's loads of light, which is your computer or your phone or your TV that you're watching. And uh, yeah, and then you're, you're trying to go to bed after that and you just don't get into good sleep. You don't get into uh it's sort of a rejuvenation cycle when you're when you're uh, in bed so yeah so I, I think that's again the first and foremost the most important thing is having that routine you know making sure you're not scrolling your social at 1am because on a normal work day you would have been in bed at 10 yeah. so it's trying to get into the rhythm and stay in that rhythm mm. even if you sort of you know you think well I'm not doing anything get up and be productive make use of that time yeah i think a lot now, of people spent the, the first couple of weeks of uh, lockdown basically being on holiday or feeling like it so they were getting up later they were able to drink most evenings you know they could eat crappy foods or whatnot weren't really exercising then two weeks came and went and then it was like oh i'm still at home and then people sort of eased up a bit and you can see some people going out on runs and whatnot at the moment but yeah, it's kind of they don't really have the routine there, like you say. And I think if they can then say, OK, I need to get proper routine in you know, and, like, and, and like you're recommending there, get up early, go to bed early, get some kind of routine, do some exercise, you know, have certain meal times, maybe make your food and then you'll be much better off. I think I've picked up maybe five or six new clients since mm. we've been in lockdown, which you kind of think, well, what can you do? But every single one of those clients the first thing they said to me is, please, can you help me get structure and routine yeah. back into my training and my diet? Because I've lost the will to live. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what meal it is. Yeah. I've had six bottles of wine and it's not even 10 a.m. 
please help me get some structure and routine. And that's one big thing that all of my clients are doing. I've I've upped check-ins because I check in with my guys every single week on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I, I've given all of them the option to do two check-ins a week to check in on a Wednesday as well. Just that midweek check-in to make sure that they stay accountable, they adhere to the plan, and they're not just completely dropping away for six days and then popping up on Saturday saying, oh, I'm, I'm ready to check in now. Yeah. So, yeah, r- routine is is the biggest factor. If you if you have routine, you have structure and you are able to follow a plan, follow a training plan. Um, if, if you lack routine, I think things are going to get a lot worse. You, you know, you you are going to be the one gaining 10 to 15 pounds mm. by the time we come out of lockdown. Yeah. So good, good stuff. No, that's I mean, that's sage advice, I'd say. So trying to get that going, get people's environments all sorted out. So it's good. I, think we're, I think we're training as well, because there seems to be a bit of a gray area with with training. You know, people are used to <clears throat> let's just take a traditional um, let's just take a traditional male who trains at the week, trains at the week, trains at the gym five times a week, lifting heavy weights. You know, let's just say, for example, benching 100 kilos. How can you go from training five times a week, lifting heavy weight, causing that damage to the tissues, to the cells, to training at home? And that was one of the biggest questions I had is, Ross, how do we train at home when we don't have any equipment? So I drafted up. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And it is. But I think the best way to look at it is... I mean, generally in the gym world, we work in in mesocycles. So we work in six, eight, ten week blocks of training. And if you take this lockdown as a 12 week cycle, Mm. you can still make progression. You just treat it as a whole new training stimulus rather than trying to incorporate what you did into your new routine where yeah. you have no weights. Yeah. So if you treat it as a whole new training mesocycle, week one, we can start off with a, a five-day body routine. And and a lot of my clients say, well, how do I progress? Well, if you've got resistance bands or you've got small weights or you've got dogs or you've got kids, you, I mean, it sounds crazy, but yeah. use what you have. Yeah. Even things like time under tension and uh, an increasing rep range, right? Like for most people, they'll stay sort of in the 10 to 12 rep range when they're lifting weights. Well, they can, you know, go up to 20, 25, 30, sort of use it, like you say, as a, as a time to rejuvenate, like get out those little kinks in your shoulder or the weaknesses you might have here or there, work on those. And then when you go back to the gym, it's going to be game time. And that's that's one big thing I focused on. You know, my clients were following the home routine they get to week three and they're like, well, I can't progress because I've done four sets of 20 press ups. Mm. I say, OK, well, let's add time under tension. So when you get to the bottom of that press up, I want you to hold it for five seconds mm. and then drive up. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it, all of a sudden, the difference, mm. I can only do 10. Yeah. So straight away, we've then progressed. How do we then progress that into week five? Well, we're going to hold it for five seconds. We're going to do three pulses at the bottom and then we're going to drive up. Oh, my God, it's getting even harder. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you look at it 
in that respect, you are able to then progress every single week, whether it's load, whether you do have access to resistance bands, whether, you know, whether it's reps, whether it's volume, but you are still able to progress. And by the time we finish lockdown, you're then going to go into the brand new mesocycle. So a brand new training block, and you'll be more than ready to get straight back into it. Yeah. 10 steps ahead rather than 10 steps behind. So I think that's especially important when it comes to training is to look at it as a, you know, if you've only got access to a bench and two five kilogram plates, mm-hmm. use that to your advantage because 90% of people don't even have that. Yeah, no, exactly. I think we're going to, I think gyms as well are going to be probably the last place to let, uh, let loose again because obviously you've got hundreds of people using the same piece of equipment every single day. Um, especially in some of the bigger gyms and uh, for, your, for yourself who has a, your own studio it's like actually that's probably going to be the best place to uh, to go train because you then you know there's only a certain amount of people coming through you're obviously going to be responsible and keep the things sanitized um, throughout um, so it'll be really much easier way uh, to sort of manage the process rather than say right hundreds of people in a gym at, at once um, and all using the same equipment all the time so which yeah. is a great way to spread a virus yeah I will be, um, I've had a little thing because I, I will be opening up most probably into next week, mm. taking on one or two clients. Now we've kind of passed that peak. I know that most of my clients have been in lockdown, so I'm ready to open up. But I think one of the other things I want to just jump on here and say is use virtual classes mm. because I've been running virtual classes maybe, well, virtually since lockdown started maybe four or five classes a week and they've been great like my clients have all jumped on we've smashed it out we've done upper body lower body total body conditioning um everything that i've raised or everything that i've made from the classes i'm donating to the nhs so i'm not i'm not in it for the profit i'm solely doing it to help those guys who are struggling with routine and they just want to get up at seven and do a morning class like they used to yeah they can do that and it it starts off today or if they want to finish on a 6 p.m conditioning class again they've got the option but there are hundreds i know hundreds of trainers offering virtual classes for free so there really is no excuse yeah i mean obviously youtube's a big thing at the moment isn't it so it's like it's not it's not tailored but at least it'll get you moving so take your pick whatever's whatever you enjoy and then um, absolutely yeah and you'll be able to get get something out of it at least and then when the lockdown releases you can then sort of personalize yourself a bit more absolutely yeah cool well this was fun man thanks for uh thanks for coming um for, first off where can uh, people find you so um if you have any sort of information if people want to join your classes or whatnot yeah so i'm on um instagram all of my social media handles is just ross potter pt mm-hmm. So I'm on on all the socials, or you can just jump on the the business page, which is RP Coaching underscore. Um, but yeah, jump on. Feel free to get involved with any classes. Just drop me a message via the socials, and I can set you up, get you ready for for coaching, virtual classes, whatever it is you need. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been been great to catch up, and I'm sure that there will be many more to come. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll definitely do this again. We'll try and get some more people on, get that roundtable thing going. So it's it's important to, I think, to try and 
get the message out to people, but also, you know, as many as many uh, experts as we can in one room always helps, I think. So we'll uh, keep that going. But uh, thanks, everyone, for, for listening. If you made it this far, um, I hope that's opened up a few avenues of your thoughts and um, motivated you to try and do a little bit more in terms of your health to really help yourselves, but ultimately to help everyone around you as well. So thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll see you very soon on the next one. So until then, take care.